Hello and welcome to JG Ministries Bible Study, where we study God's Word. Now last time in our study of Mark, we see Jesus choosing four disciples and we saw Jesus healing a man possessed with a demon. So today, I want to take a quick look and finish up some thoughts on this man that healed this man that was healed from a demon and then we'll start taking a look at Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law so if you will turn to chapter 1 of the gospel of Mark verse 28 and let's get into it now this story of Jesus healing a demon-possessed man is also told in the book of Luke chapter 4 verses 31 to 37 but let's take a quick look at this passage for some comparison. Verse 31 of the book of Luke, chapter 4, begins, Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. This is Jesus' first recorded miracle in Capernaum after making the town his headquarters. Now shortly before he had healed, while in Cana, the son of a royal official in Capernaum, about a 15-mile distance. And Now in this account we see that the evil spirit had the ability to possess the body of a man with the intent of tormenting and destroying him. This demon spoke through the man. This demon, recognizing Jesus' divinity and calling Jesus Holy One. Now Jesus commanded the demon to be quiet and to come out of the man. And the evil spirit, knowing Jesus' authority over Satan and all demonic spirits, immediately obeyed Jesus' commandment, and he left the man's body. Jesus would not let the demon speak of his, of his deity. He wanted to demonstrate to the people through his teaching and his actions, that he himself was the long-awaited Messiah before he declared himself the Son of God. Now that's going to end our thoughts here on the demon-possessed man, but let's move in to Peter's mother-in-law, who Jesus heals, with chapter 1, verses 29 to 31. So follow with me as we begin verse 29 where it says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother 
lay sick with a fever. And they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. Now, immediately, the word immediately is one of the characteristic words of this gospel. And it's especially suitable for the gospel, which stresses the servant character of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, as we take a look at verses 29 to 30 here, from the synagogue, our Lord Jesus went to Simon's house. And as soon as Jesus arrived, he learns about Simon's mother-in-law who is laying sick in bed with a fever. Now verse 30 states that they told him, who is Jesus, about her at once. They wasted no time in bringing her need to the physician's attention, if you will, the physician being Jesus, because he heals all. The eyewitness details of the next story suggest its origin with Peter, who, after all, had a special interest in what occurred. Peter also was renamed, or Simon, who was renamed Peter. Now, after Jesus left the synagogue, he goes to the house of Simon, who is Peter, and to Andrew, where Peter's mother-in-law is laying in bed with this fever. And we see in verse 31 that Jesus' healing of her is described simply, yet with interesting detail. Jesus went to her. Jesus took her hand and helped her up. This cure that Jesus did was instant. It was complete. Because after this had happened, she gets right out of bed and she begins to serve the needs of her guests. And without a word, Jesus doesn't say a thing. Jesus took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. She was cured immediately. That's very important to understand that she was cured immediately. Because ordinarily, a fever leaves a person in a weakened condition. But in this case, Jesus not only cured the fever, but he gave her immediate strength so that she could get up and serve her guests that came to her house. She served them. Every sick person who is restored, whether in an ordinary or extraordinary way, should hasten to consecrate to the service of God the life that is given back to them. A great many persons are always sighing for opportunities to minister to Christ, imagining some fine and splendid service which they would like to render. Meantime, they let slip past their hands the very things in which Christ wants them to serve him. True ministry to Christ is doing first of all and well one's daily duties. And it's noticeable that in each of the healing miracles, 
the Savior's procedure is different in them. And this reminds us that no two conversions are exactly alike. Everyone must be dealt with on an individual basis. That Peter had a mother-in-law shows that the idea of a celibate priesthood was foreign to that day. It is a tradition of men which finds no support in the word of God and which breeds a host of evils. Now let's take a quick side note here. We have the site of Capernaum. Because I want to talk about Capernaum, the synagogue in the house of Peter. Now the site of Capernaum was the home base of Jesus during his earthly ministry. And it's located on the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus performed many miracles there. Three of the disciples were from Capernaum. And Peter and Andrew had evidently moved there from Bethsaida. Now, fishing was probably the major trade, although it is possible that there was olive presses and grain grinders. uh, And so there must have been some olive oil produced, some grains there as well. And the village sat astride the international trade route that ran from the Mediterranean Sea to Transjordan and Damascus. And it seems that a customs station was located there because of its proximity to the Jordan River and Philip the Tetrarch's territory. In spite of Jesus' remarkable works and teachings, the people didn't repent. And Jesus predicted that Capernaum would go down to the depths in judgment. Now I want to give a quick thought here on the synagogues. They were the large, beautiful, white, limestone synagogues that have been known for years, and they probably date to the 4th century A.D. In recent years, the Franciscan fathers who have excavated below the synagogue, have fun the black basalt, three-foot-high foundation walls of an even earlier synagogue, probably dating back to the first century A.D. And this indeed may have been the very synagogue built by the centurion and the one in which Jesus preached. Now, we see in excavations of residential areas in the village of Capernaum. And this leads us into the house of Peter quickly. The Franciscan fathers have found a very special first century building in which there was a room that was venerated. And on the plastered walls of this room was graffiti that mentioned the Lord Jesus Christ, and it had crosses. Evidently, Judeo-Christians of the first century A.D. venerated this room as the home of Peter, who was the disciple of Jesus, the place where Jesus must have stayed on many occasions. In the fourth century, a church was built over the house, 
And in the 5th century, an uh, octagonal church was built in such a way that the room was at the center of the church. There are many places in the Holy Land that they build churches over some of these historical sites. But it's all very fascinating to learn and know about. But let's get back to our study here. As we move on to where we see that many were healed after a Sabbath sunset. We're going to pick up here again with verses 32 to 34. And verse 32 begins at evening. When the sun had set, they brought to him, who is Jesus, all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. <clears throat> so we have news of the Savior's presence that has spread during the day. The following day, since Sabbath ends at sundown, people could now bring, without breaking the law, their sick and demon-possessed to Jesus to be healed. As long as it was the Sabbath, the people dared not bring the needy people to Jesus. But when the sun had set, the Sabbath had ended. So there was a rush to the door of Peter's house with all these people. There the sick and the demon-possessed experienced the power that delivers from every phase and form of sin. And again, we see that Jesus muzzled, if you will, the demons. He wouldn't allow them to talk because they knew who Jesus was. His reluctance to have the demons reveal him as the Messiah is best explained by his desire to show by word and deed what kind of Messiah he was before he openly declared himself as the Messiah. And we kind of mentioned that a little bit ago. The exorcism of verse 26 and the healing of verse 31 were not isolated cases. This happened often, and Jesus extended his healing powers to large numbers. And this was after sunset because, again, sunset marked the end of Sabbath. The news about the demon-possessed man and also Peter's mother-in-law spread all over the city. People heard all this. And so we have these great crowds with their sick all coming to Peter's house to be healed. And Jesus heals them. He healed them all. It was his miracles that attracted the crowds. The light of divine compassion for suffering humanity had begun to shine. It was a great day in Capernaum. And now we're going to take a look at Preaching in Galilee, with verses 35 to 39. Verse 35 begins, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose 
I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all of Galilee and casting out demons. Now Jesus, we see, rose a long while before daylight. He had a busy evening the following night of healing and performing exorcisms. And so he goes out to a quiet place to pray where he would be free from distractions and he could spend time in prayer. Jesus opened his ear each morning to receive instructions for the day from God the Father. And let's take a look at Isaiah chapter 50 verses 4 and 5 where it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. A word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Jesus was facing a crisis. The shallow and superficial response of the people who were only interested in what Jesus could do for them or healed their physical afflictions. So Jesus sought the strength that only communion and fellowship with God the Father could provide. If the Lord Jesus felt the need of this early morning quiet time, how much more should we? And notice, too, that he prayed when it cost him something. He rose and went out a long while before daylight. You see, prayer should not be just a matter of personal convenience. But it should be of self-discipline and sacrifice. Does this explain why so much of our service is ineffective? Just a little food for thought. But as we continue with, with verses 36 and 37, we see by the time that Simon, who we commonly know as Peter, and the others got up, the crowd was gathered outside the house again. The disciples, they go and they tell Jesus, of the rising popular sentiment. See, the disciples did not understand Jesus or his need for communion with God the Father, so they went to look for him. Apparently, they thought Jesus would be pleased to know that everyone was looking for him because they didn't understand that this popular and the shallow reception of Jesus was the very reason that Jesus withdrew to pray. But we see that it had been a busy day. We see that Jesus had healed many people, perhaps, maybe several hundred. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us the exact number, but we do know it was a great many. He was now in full swing of his public work. And Jesus would often slip away from the crowds, seeking solitude just to keep in touch with God. 
If the Son of God needed solitude and time alone with God the Father, away from all the demands of daily life, then how much more do we need to break away from the noise and the busyness and the demands of our society so that we can talk with and that we can listen to God? And surprisingly, Jesus did not go back to the city, but he took the disciples into the surrounding towns, explaining that he must preach there also. Well, why did Jesus not return to Capernaum? Well, first of all, he had just been in prayer and he had learned what God wanted him to do that day. Every morning he would get his marching orders, if you will, from God the Father. And secondly, he realized that the popular movement in Capernaum was shallow. The Savior was never attracted by large crowds. He looked below the surface to see what was in their hearts. Thirdly, he knew the peril of popularity. And he taught the disciples by his example to beware when all men spoke well of them. He consistently avoided any superficial, emotional demonstration that we have put the crown before cross. And lastly, his great emphasis was on preaching the word. The healing miracles, while intended to relieve human misery, were also designed to gain attention for his preaching of the word. Now quickly, I want to finish up here with verse 39. To the synagogues throughout all of Galilee, Jesus went preaching and casting out demons. He combined his preaching and practicing his saying and doing. It is interesting to see how often Jesus cast out demons in synagogues. We have several mentions of that. And a thought comes. Would liberal churches today correspond to the synagogues? But moving on, we see in verses 38 and 39 that Jesus' reply shows that he feared his healings and exorcisms were hindrances to understanding who he really was. The people of Capernaum were interested in him only as a popular miracle worker. So Jesus suggested that they move on to some of these other villages to preach. He knew that he came into the world primarily to proclaim God's good news. And all that was involved in discipleship and suffering. Healings and exorcisms had their place, but they were not to usurp this primary purpose of his. If Mark wrote his gospel to refute a Christological heresy that placed too much emphasis on Jesus as a miracle worker, the relevance of these verses is then clear. And Jesus made many trips. He always returned to Capernaum. Now, Galilee was crossed by famous international highways on which merchants traveled between Egypt and the Euphrates. And one of these highways passed through Capernaum. And later, the Romans would pave 
some of these most important international highways that would run through Palestine. But in Jesus' day, all these roads were still unpaved. They were dusty and dirty in the summer. And sometimes in places, because of the rainy season, they would be muddy and sometimes hard to go on. But that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank you for being here with me. Next time, we will talk about Jesus who cleanses a leper. So until next time, God bless you. And keep living Christian strong.